Hello, and welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast from the MediaBias.com. Joining me, Chris, today is Kelly. You, you're sitting there. Hi, I'm the <laughs> Kelly that Chris mentions on the podcast quite frequently, because <laughs> ah. we live together. Yeah, we do. We live in sin. <laughs> Just for a little bit longer. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we're here to talk about something we've both watched that the rest of the guys kind of fell behind on. You know, life gets in the way sometimes of watching media. And so we're going to talk about the, the hot new show, which is not new, but it is hot. It's probably not hot anymore. We're going to talk about Stranger Things Season 3. It came out July 4th, and we binged it. We watched it in two days. My parents were like, yeah, we're not going to spoil ourselves and watch it all real quick. Uh, and then I know that I had the thought, well, I fucking am. And I think we went home from there that night and watched the rest of it. We canceled plans to finish it. Did we? Yeah, we didn't go to a, a thing we were supposed to go to. Okay. Um... Just a, just a heads up, if you hear our dog, he's being particularly ornery, uh, but compared to the catastrophe from the last episode, <laughs> oh, there you go, he's being a grump. Go lay down. Oh, oh. no. Um, but yeah, so we're going to talk about Stranger Things Season 3, and I thought I'd open with a fun question. I want to ask you, dog, no... Kel, what was your favorite part of this season? My favorite part that entertained me was obviously the never-ending story song. <laughs> I got a big kick out of that. I thought um, Dustin singing with his cute little smile was adorable. Um, I'm, I was very happy to find out that Susie was in fact real. And... Also kind of pleased that she wasn't hotter than Phoebe Cates, because that would have been weird. It would have been. <laughs> I still don't know who Phoebe, Phoebe, Phoebe Cates is. Phoebe Cates, I'm pretty sure, is the iconic, uh, in, the iconic scene in Fast Times at Ridgemont High when she, when she gets out of the pool and undoes her bathing suit while it's Spicoli's having the daydream. I have not seen that movie, but I do know what scene you're talking about from I Love the 80s. <laughs> I've joked around with Kelly before that she is officially our millennial correspondent as our youngest frequent contributor, um, and having not seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High is no surprise. It's I part remember, of the course. I had to show you the movie Jurassic Park three years ago, and it was the or four years ago. It was the first time you had seen it. I didn't believe that it was made in the nineties. This is a really interesting show for you then, because there's a lot of Stranger Things that is just straight up homage to classic 80s and like late 70s movies. This this season isn't really that much of an exception, except, uh, and I didn't say this before, but I'll say it now, we're going to do full spoilers. That's why we're recording in the dungeon and not at the regular podcast place with TJ and Breezy and David. Because um, they haven't seen it, we don't want to ruin it for them, and maybe they'll share their thoughts on a watch list, but this is our time. Um, but, yeah, so this season they had... Uh, I think the, the biggest Easter egg, and which wasn't really one, is that they kind of play off that trope of like the Russian boogeyman. And that's kind of the whole thrust of the show this season is, you know, they start to kind of discover this secret plot. Uh, there's a code being read off that 
that Dustin picks up on Cerebro. That teenagers figure out. Yeah, that uh, that uh, the new new character played by uh, Maya Hawk uh, figures out, like cracks the code just using like the weird mall clues. So yeah, so there's like there's some interesting like tropey stuff from you know the Red Scare, not the Red Scare, but like the Red Menace from the eighties. Cold that, Cold War America. Right. Yeah, because like even as late as like Three Ninjas, there were like Russian bad guys where. And the election from 2016. All right. We made a promise to Brent that we wouldn't be political, and you broke the rule. Oh, no. Is that another thing you woke kids do? We try not to. <laughs> um, but, yeah, anyway, you said that your favorite and your most entertaining part was the never-ending story sing-along. Did you have a different one? Is that why you couched it as favorite most entertaining part? Yes. Uh, I particularly liked Dacre Montgomery. He plays Billy. Dacre? Um, is okay. it Dacre or Dacra? I think it's Dacre. Okay. I thought you said Digger. <laughs> which... I, no, it's, I know it's spelled D-A-C-R-E. Yeah. And he's Australian, and I don't know how things work down there other than spiders, but... Yeah. Uh, he has a scene in a sauna. He he is the first one to be um, tainted by the Mind Flare, and, and he's the one that is trying to build the army for him. Um, right. And there's a scene where they the kids force him into a sauna, which, as you know from the second season, the Mind Flayer does not like that. He likes to be cold. Right. And he is pleading with his sister, you know, let me out of here. And I think his acting in that scene is just incredible. And I think he is one of those characters in this season that got a lot more screen time and got a lot more depth. And I think just his entire arc was probably one of my favorite things. Yeah, I mean, he was a big question mark from the last season. Like, why are they introducing this kid who's, like, out of high school? I don't know if he was out of high school at the time of season two, but he's out of high school by now. And he's basically, like, an abusive piece of shit who bullies everyone who, like, you know, he bullies the bullies. Nearly runs over the kids in the second season. Yeah, just, like, as a goof. Um, So it was... You know, you you kind of you don't really feel bad for him at first when he gets flayed. Cause it's like, well, of course they're making the person who's the biggest monster on the show, the bad guy, and not the actual literal biggest monster, but kind of an agent of him. Uh, but he does he does kind of go through. Uh, he, he earns some sympathy by the end. Um, yeah, that that actor uh, Daker, which is just a hell of a name. Great uh, name. I saw Hassan Minaj on uh, Ellen recently, and people were like, your name's so hard to pronounce. And his counterpoint was like, we walk around acting like the name Ansel Elgort is normal. <laughs> and everyone pronounces that without any trouble. Um, so I guess I shouldn't take it against Dacre. Um, so yeah, so so you like Dacre Montgomery. I know you, uh, I know he's a, a fan favorite, uh, particularly for his scene in the just to make good on my spoilers promise, his scene in the final episode where he ends up, you know, basically sacrificing himself. His redemption. Yeah, but he sacrifices himself for L, who's about to be gobbled up by the Mind Flayer. I didn't know what, I mean... I'm still not sure about how the mechanics of the Mind Flayer work. It, I mean, it looks like he, like, impregnates them, like mouth, like face hugger style from Alien. Except it's like with that black smoke that, that they exercise out of will at the end of season two. 
Yeah, the I thought that's what was happening to Will in season two, but he doesn't become jelly like all of the other infected by the mind flare. Yeah, because they they get the they they get the smoke out of him. That's the thing is is he has basically all of the mind flare. That that's what we're led to believe because they show that like when they closed the big gaping maw at the end of season two, they show and then they they do the exorcism. You know, it's not the exorcism isn't actually what does it. It's them closing, it's closing the connection. The yeah. So at that time, that was the entirety of the mind flare was inside Will, and so it left. It left his body. It, it also shows in season two him Morse code tapping close gate. Right. So it also shows that he's got some of his free will left, just like there's moments of, of Billy's character having these flashes of himself as well. Yeah. Because Elle kind of does <clears throat> like a, like a, you know how she goes into her other plane. She kind of goes like transplanar and sees like the memories on the outskirts of Billy and like, you know, she sees the big tornado that's over top of the old steel plant where he ends up getting slurped up by the, uh, by the big bug. But he also sees like him in California with his mom before Max was adopted. And then like him kind of like with his dad, who was an asshole who like hit him and toxic masculinity, dad, right? Like, don't, you can't cry. Don't be a pussy. So that kind of shit. So it's clear that, like, the mind flare doesn't completely take someone over. It's just... I don't, I don't think that there are enough episodes in the show to, like, give us all, like, the relationship we need with the old lady whose, like, name I don't remember. But, I like, got enough of, of that, though. Yeah. I don't... I don't... I didn't feel like I was wanting on that point. And never before has fertilizer looked so fucking delicious. She was just gobbling up that fertilizer. She was. That was... That was such an 80s throwback to me. That what? just seemed like something that would happen in an 80s movie. It's just old lady going... Like, almost like a zombie movie. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's also, like, some, some like, uh, older cues from the, like, big government secret. Like, what's in the water? Like, what's making these people turn? Uh, like The, the what, plot armor? Yeah. Like, what's the... With uh, Carrie Elwes' character... Uh, I forget the name of the mayor... Um, mayor Butthole. Yeah, Mayor Butthole is the official name of that character... Um, but he's, you know, he's involved to some extent with this big Russian scheme because he's just like taking cash to sell the Russians like any piece of property they need because I guess it's a Cold War like plot from them. We don't really get much from the Russians. We get, uh, we do get, uh, the... Uh, the Russian who they kidnap, uh, uh, Grigori, who, not Grigori, uh, Dr. Alexei. Alexei. Grigori is the bad guy. Right. So the Terminator bad guy. Yeah. So Dr. Alexei, you know, he, he gives us all of the kind of plot exposition that we ever get from the Russians. And you look sad now. I am very sad. I, that scene was heartbreaking and I love Dr. Alexei. Yeah, he's... His relationship with uh, with Murray, Brett Gellman's character, is really funny. Because you've got, like, anti-conspiracy kook meets actual Russian scientist plotting against the country, country. And then when they get together, they have a great time. And he takes them to, like, this very American event where it's all fun and excess. And you see this 
like pure joy on his face when he wins the toy and it's like okay he you actually see that he's not just like some evil russian like he's just someone that wants love and fun yeah i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't go that far in, in painting his character as three-dimensional like it's it's all it, it was a childlike innocence it was a childlike happiness that i thought was just very endearing one of the few times that I think that Hopper gets it right is, like, he has, like, a big hero moment. And it's not him, like, saving the day by beating up the bad guy or, you know, he has his his uh, season conclusion, which is its own hero moment. But before that, he's, like, proves that he's a good cop, too. Which, you know, oftentimes we have these buffoon characters who are never good at their job and, like, that's it. But shows like The Office will show that, you know, Michael Scott occasionally can make a fucking sale. And he can sell paper, like, with the best of them. And with this, you know, they've got, uh, it's, uh, Winona Ryder, it's the, uh, the, the buyer's mother. What the fuck's her first name? Joyce. Joyce. Uh, Joyce is, uh, out at Murray's compound that we'd seen in the previous season. My magnets! <laughs> And uh, Joyce, uh, Hop, and Murray and Alexi are out there, and he just Hopper gives Alexi the keys and is like, "You can go." And then as he didn't get the right slushy, I would be mad too. <laughs> and as he's leaving, he kind of explains to everyone like he can't go back to the Russians. Like he was kidnapped by Americans. There's no way they're gonna let him live. His best chance is with us. And I really think that's what Alexi's doing. I know the internet likes to paint him as a hero, but I don't think that he's a true hero here. I don't think there's enough to him to be a hero. I just think he's like almost like a child. Yeah, he's a he's a fun character, and him him and uh, Murray going back and forth in Russian, talking shit about uh, the they basically echo what Murray did with uh, um, Jonathan and Nancy uh, when they were there last season, they, like accusing them of having too much their, sexual tension, right? Calling out their sexual attraction. Yeah. Um. But I forgot what I was saying about it being Russian and about uh, Carrie Elwes, Mayor whatever. Mayor Larry Klein. I've got the Wikipedia page open in front of me. I don't know why I'm not better at reading. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, so favorite moments. The sauna scene. I really did like the sauna scene. It was, I, think, I thought it was a good fight scene. It was also the first time that we had like most of the group back together. True. Um, you know, we were missing Steve and are two new characters and Dustin because they were off in the mall kind of doing the B plot, uh, which turned into the A plot late. But, um, you know, all, all the kids got back together for, for the fight. And it was cool. It was reminiscent of like some of like the high school fight at the end of the first season or, um, you know, even just like hop and L going down the elevator to the rift, you know, you don't, you don't really get that much of Eleven's powers in this season. You you more so just get kind of an exhibition of how she uses her powers in everyday life by like slamming the door in her dad's face when he like sees, you know, his daughter and her like new boyfriend like making out instead of studying like they're supposed to. Well, three inches. Yeah, three inches, and you're talking about the length that the door has to be open. Maybe. <laughs> So, other than individual scenes, did you have, do you think that someone was a standout character, like, main character? Like, I think, I think that you can, like, 
The first season is definitely about Mike. Finn Wolfhard carries the first season. It's his relationship with Elle that kind of pushes the whole story forward. I would say Mike and Joyce. Mike I think, and, yeah. I think Joyce is, is another huge character in the first season, and I don't think she had as big of a role in this season. I think she kind of took the back seat to other, other stories. Yeah, she she does, and I think it's it's kind of a thankless job that she does because she's she's about the only character who takes like the two plots and pushes them together and goes like, "Hey, this thing with the magnets, like maybe it's related. Maybe this is like what happened with my boy. Like I just want to know why my magnets are falling off my fridge." Which is you know kind of a, a goofy through line, but um, yeah, she kind of sits in the back seat this season, but. <laughs> Who is this season for then? If it's not the Joyce Byers Mike Wheeler show, and last season was was it was all Hop, Hop and really Joyce again, and then this season, if it's not them, then is it like Caleb and not Caleb Lucas and Max kind of had their tryst when she was introduced as a new character last season. Uh, Billy is, but he's kind of the villain, so he doesn't really get to shine. I think he has a larger role and he gets to show his acting chops, but I still don't think he's a main character in the show. Yeah. I think um, I think Nancy and Jonathan have a pretty strong story, especially with her still at the um, the news. Yeah, I forget. It's like the Hawkins Courier or something. What's it called? Uh, the newspaper? Oh, yes. <laughs> I was like, the newsroom. The news thing they print on flat sheets. I told you I was a millennial. <laughs> uh, also, great use of Jake Busey. Yeah, he was kind of a pretty terrific scumbag. Uh, <laughs> when he and the other dude both turned into like jelly monsters and slid together, it was just like, okay, I didn't really care. They could have done anyone uh, at that boardroom or like the editors' meeting and said that like, oh, then, and then they slid together into a giant jelly monster. Like, all right, whatever. I think we both chuckled. Yeah. Um, one thing I did, like, apparently one of the guys, one of, like, the misogynists at the at the editor's table is a guy from uh, an episode of the recent Queer Eye. Oh, what? really? Yeah, it's somebody they made over. I did not know that. That's interesting. Dog, if you want to share your opinion, you have to speak into the microphone. Um, but do you... So you still have... So you think it's... It's them, and then... I, I don't think there is a clear start. There's so much happening at once in this season. Uh, you know, you could also say that Steve and um, Robin, is that her? Yeah, Robin. And Robin, that's another huge story. Also, I really want those Ships Ahoy outfits. <laughs> those are amazing. <laughs> I have a feeling that's going to be a big uh, Halloween costume cosplay this year. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's, it's, they're kind of, I, I kind of agree with you, except I would really say that I think this is, this is Dustin's season. I think Gaten Matazaro kind of, he kind of pushes the humor, which is lacking in the other two stories. He is the reason for the plot moving forward with the Russians, and it's kind of the linchpin for the whole thing going well. Um, he has a lot of, he kind of comes into his own as an adult. Instead of being one of Steve's kids now, he shows up and Steve is just as just as excited, if not more, to see him. Right. And, you know, he's... I don't want to, like, 
you know, we talk about Billy and tox- toxic masculinity, and I don't want to kind of bring it to that in saying that Dustin kind of, like, has become a man at this point. He went off to camp and didn't have his friends. He camped right. nowhere. He, he met a girl who he's in love with, and she's real. He builds this piece of technology, which is hilariously named after X-Men, with Morpheus, and it is both important for them, like, the discovering that something's weird, and then them, like, solving the big problem, because none of them know what Planck's constant is. It, I think Dustin's story also kind of introduces that, what the end of the season leads to, which is that they are able to survive by themselves. They're able to be separated, and, and the world's not going to end, and they can get back together. At, at the end of the season, you know, J- Joyce and Elle and Will yeah. and Jonathan, yeah. all of them, there's a big, big group move. And I think that that's kind of the first part of that being possible is Dustin leaving for the summer for like a short period of time and coming back. And then they're still like friends like they were before. Like nothing has changed. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, except that anytime they triumph over anything, it's a moment where they all come back together. Right, but this is a, this is another '80s trope of like let's get the big, the gang back together. Right, there's a new enemy. This reminds me of like it or something like that, which is not '80s, but you know you you get what I'm saying. It's it's this like, well we'll we'll be apart, but we'll come back together one last time, one last mission. Right, it's kind of the antithesis to the horror trope of let's split up. Exactly. Is, you know, when they build the team, when they finish building the team and the A-team is assembled, then they can, you know, like, handle shit. Hey, how does this play on radio? I bet great. Um, you looked at, you look, you're looking at my Coke Zero, who is an official sponsor, like, you want it, and you can't have it. I know it's not even cold. I know. Because you're a monster. Soda shouldn't be cold. Alright, that's a Canadian thing. Um, but yeah, so I thought, I mean... Maybe it's just because I'm seeing so much press, but I feel like Millie Bobby Brown, Finn Wolfhard, like Noah Schnapp, kind of the big three kids, have taken a back seat to the other kids this season. And it makes sense, right? It's like you've got you've got to tell these four stories that are all happening simultaneously, competently. So you can't really you don't have the time to Game of Thrones it and develop each of their storylines and put weight behind them. So you've got Nancy and Jonathan running down leads. You've got the, uh, the what do they call the, the, the scoop troop? Scoop troop. You've got the scoop troop investigating the, uh, the, the Russian underground base. Hop and Joyce trying to figure out what, what the fuck's going on. And in typical Stranger Things fashion, being like behind the ball the entire time. Um, they kind of piece it together by accident. And then you've got the, uh, you know, Mike and Lucas and all them. Uh, not really being that important until the very end. I think Lucas had a much larger uh, part in the action this season than he's had before. Same yeah. with Dustin. I think the first season is a lot more about Mike and his struggle with Will being missing. And then I think the second season is a lot more Will. Yeah. Will and Mike. And then I think this season there's a lot more of Dustin and a lot more of Lucas. Yeah. I mean, him, uh, Lucas putting the fireworks together, like, that's a awesome scene like that's something that he's the star he's the lead and there's not a lot of that that happens in the other seasons yeah it's it was nice what what do they call it it's like satan's butthole or something it's like a a dumb name for that firework and when they started 
talking about how they needed to distract the Mind Flayer once they had broken into the mall. I was like, I really hope he gets to use it and they make a big deal out of it. Unfortunately, they didn't, but, you know, whatever. Um, they did. They used all of them. They used all of them, but they didn't, like, set one aside. He didn't get that moment with the slingshot where he, like, lit it and did, like, the, the tight zoom. But, you know, it's still a pretty good season. So, what overall did you think of season three? Did you have a favorite episode? I would have to look at the episode list. Um, I I really liked it. And I don't know if this is just a product of me. Um, you know, I, I typically am like, oh, the last thing I saw is my favorite thing ever. Right. I'm, I'm very easy to please. I really enjoy the show as a whole. So I think maybe because of the fact that I just watched it and it's fresh on my mind that I like it the most. Or maybe it's because it takes a place in the mall a lot and I really liked that mall and I love that whole like mall feeling from 80s movies mm -hmm. I also liked the Russian element a lot I thought that was really well done and just Billy yeah Billy and Alexi like that was my favorite thing yeah I know you'd leave me for Billy and Maybe. you'd probably leave me for Alexi too we'll see <laughs> he likes cherry flavored things that's kind of gross yeah it is pretty gross it's like medicine strawberry is a superior artificial flavor than cherry and natural, like. And naturally? Oh. Like yeah, yeah, I think strawberries are better than cherries. That is the big question that everyone's asking. What's better, strawberry, strawberry or cherry? cherry? You heard it here first, folks. Talk Talk says that it's strawberry. Um, so then, I'm not going to let you look at the episodes because that would take too long. It would be too much of a pause. Uh, but I am curious. So you think that this is better than the previous two seasons? I do, um, just for, like, my sheer entertainment. I think the first season is probably the best season as a TV show objectively. Okay. Um, I also am, it took me until this season to realize that they released the seasons based on the holiday that they surround. Mm -hmm. I did not pick that up until this, <laughs> until this season. So I got a big kick out of that. Um, but I think, I, I go a lot on the Reddit and I, I look at what people say and, I can normally tell how I feel about something, whether or not I agree with people. And I would see people say things like, oh, well, it's weak writing, lazy writing, etc. And I, every time I saw that, I'd, I'd be like, well, I don't agree with that. I, you know, and I obviously don't comment. I don't care enough. And I, I, I think that that was kind of like my gut reaction is when I see comments on online and I say, well, no, I don't think so. I, I don't agree with you. And I think one of the main things I saw was that people were saying the the writing was lazy and that they had this plot armor and my first thought is like well that's kind of the whole point that's that is the homage to these 80s horror films is there is plot armor around the characters and that's kind of what makes a good TV show well i mean it's we're still dealing with the the dungeons and dragons we're just not calling it that anymore Right. Like, the, the kids are telling Will that they don't want to play D&D, but the Duffer brothers are playing D&D. &D, and these are their player characters, and they don't want to kill them, because nobody wants their player characters to die. So and, and they still do kill off, I think, pretty large characters, or at least ones that get an emotional response enough to satisfy that kind of need. You yeah. know, they killed Bob in season two, they killed Alexi and, and Billy this season. I think you still get that, well, you can't kill anybody, because... You can't kill, you know. Right. We, we're not going to kill anybody because that would be upsetting. They still make upsetting kills without getting rid of the core of the people. And I think 
I think David Harbour is supposed to be like a question in that sense. Like, all right, this is a big question. Then I'm not gonna let you easily transition into it. We're gonna hard stop. So the end of the final episode, not the end, but the second to the last scene. Hopper is next to the machine, the big energy drill, and uh, Joyce flips the switch and uh, looks like it evaporates him the way it did in the lab in Russia. Well, not exactly the way it did. Um, we get a very heartfelt, like, actual goodbye oh, where God, I was like... Eleven reads the note that Joyce had kind of coached him into writing. So um, And it kind of shows in a flashback that he took Joyce's note and he added his own stuff on there that was, you know, the actual emotion that this, like, main dude just couldn't express being, you know, the sheriff of this small town and just being a product of the 80s and all of that. Um, and then we get a very, very uncharacteristic of a Netflix show. We get a post credit scene with uh, Russians in Kamchatka. The only reason why I ever remember Kamchatka is because it's that one area in risk where you can get to the United States and North America. It's also a Mexican milkshake. Kamchatka? That's, I think that's horchata. Um, but the... <laughs> uh, in Kamchatka, and it kind of shows uh, earlier, and we haven't talked about her yet, but uh, Lucas's sister makes a comeback, and she's incredible, uh, Erica. But Erica sees a cage, and she asks Dusty, like, what's this cage for? And he's like, I don't know. How would I know? And he's, she said, well, how big did you say that demo dog was? And he said, about eight feet tall. And she said, like, well, is it as big as this cage? And then that kind of is the foreshadowing to we see in Kamchatka in the end credits scene that uh, that the Russians have their own Demogorgon who they're feeding, but they feed it's him... It's a demodog, right? Those are different than Demogorgons. Right. The Demodogs were, like, the fast kind of quadrupeds in the second season. But Erica was just calling them dem demo. I think she called them demagogues. Okay. Um, just because she didn't know the lingo. Right. Um, but they feed the the demogorgon some like random Russian. Uh, but at but before that they passed by a cell and he said no, not the American. So. Okay, I have thoughts about that. This is the time for them. I don't think Hop is dead. Okay. I think Hop is in the upside down. I don't think he is the American in that cell. Okay. I think it's Brenner. Brenner? Murray? Brenner. Who's Brenner? Dr. Brenner. Who's... You have to use more than just keep uh, the, saying the, Brenner. The guy that's Elle's dad in the lab in the season one. Huh. Because we're not positive he's dead, correct? I mean... Because remember when they go to that guy that's an identity in season two with Elle and her sister... This is going to be real fun for people to get a look at how I describe things in movies and TV. Okay, you? so you're talking about the episode that everyone hated from season two, where Elle goes and finds eight. The other um, the other girl, she, she goes to Chicago. Uh, yeah, there's the other girl's like, powers, is that what you're talking about? Yes, and then they go find, like, files. Right. And they go find somebody that took, that was... That, I guess, held down Elle's mom. Okay. I don't remember for sure. But it's the guy in Identity. He's a character actor. He's got the, the condition in your eyes. That You've been on Reddit too much. I have not. This is not from Reddit. I watched a recap of season two. 
And this is my theory. The lab tech that performed shock therapy on Terry, who claims Dr. Brenner is still alive. That is exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. I watched a recap and I saw that scene and I was like, why would they say that he's still alive if he didn't come back at all in season three? But how would this guy know that he's alive if he's in Russia? He would just know that he was alive. He didn't have to know that he was in Russia. Okay. Like, okay. I think it's too convenient to have Hop. I don't know. I feel like Hop's still in the Upside Down. Right. Brenner's the American, because he's also the one. They also are keeping him alive for some reason. Why wouldn't they keep Hop alive? They have no reason to keep Hop alive. Hop's from some small town in Indiana. Right. Brenner's a scientist and knows the, the mechanics of how this other dimension works. It makes more sense to me that he would be the one, or someone, at least someone that's, like, at least knowledgeable enough. Why but, else would they keep him? Why, why would they keep Hopper? No, no, why would, why would, yeah, why would they keep Hop? What, what do they have to gain from Hop, other than having an American? Because the only way that it works that he's in Russia is if he fucking walks out of the gate in Russia. But then and why I'm, wouldn't they just kill him? Why would they kill him? If science, if the science of it is important to them... Then they just found a way to, like, fucking teleport to America. I think that's why the gate was open. I think they're trying to do it. I, mean, I think they're trying to infiltrate. I don't think they know what they're trying to do. I think they know that, that the gate has a lot of energy behind it. But I don't think, like, it's, it's it makes me think of, like, back during World War II, like, Hitler's secret experiments using, like, crazy weapons. Like, I don't think that there there's, like, really an end game. They know it's the powerful, Russians. but they don't know if it's practical or not yet. Right. Like, or effective. Like, I could see that. But then why in season two are they even trying to open the gate? I thought that was the entire point of the Russian plot, was they're trying to use it as a weapon against the Americans somehow. But see, I think... But the Alexei says that they tried to do it in Russia and it didn't work. And that it had... It, it couldn't just be anywhere. You couldn't just start drilling. It has to be somewhere. Mm. So... I don't think that they're specifically doing it. I mean, it's, you know, hundreds of feet underground for a reason. Right. And I just don't think they know what they have, but they want to have it first. Because if, if they, like, crack open this egg and it's like, oh, look at this. We've got unbound energy. We don't have to burn fossil fuels ever. We have, like, a stronger weapon than, like, a nuclear warhead. Like, they wouldn't choose to do that on American soil. It was doing it for the sake of doing it. I, I agree. Just to have a leg up on the Americans and something, even if they didn't know what they had. Right. But. But that's still my prediction, and Brenner. I'm sticking by it. It's Brenner. That, that'd be so lackluster to me if it's Brenner, though. I don't think it's Hop. I really don't. I mean, you heard my reaction when you were like, it's Brenner. I was like, who the fuck is Brenner? Oh, he's the bad, bad, bad from season one. But if, if Brenner is the big bad... Like, why don't we get that episode, which is a complete bottle episode in season two, where they talk about, Brenner might still be alive. Why don't we get, like, any hints or clues about that? Like, do you think that that's going to be the whole plot of season four? Is that they're just going to, like, Brenner's going to break out, maybe with Hop's help, because Hop's going to be in the underground, uh, upside down? Or Hop would just kill him. Uh, So, the only weird thing to me is that they have this emotional scene... Where Elle is, you know, Hop says goodbye to Elle, and then they make a point to have her not be able to use her powers, and then they, I think it would be weird for them to immediately be like, Hop's alive. It, it takes away from the emotion of that scene to immediately resolve it. I, but, you know, again, 
that could be an 80s thing. Yeah, I mean, it kind of was. They'd have, like, big, like, season-ending cliffhangers, and then the the season premiere would start, and it'd be like, oh, it was all a dream. And then now moving on. <clears throat> it's, you know, it's... They're not necessarily trying to string people along with the narrative, because I think that everyone's invested. They're trying to string people into next season. They're trying to trying to leave a big question mark on the table and throw their hands up in the air and go, I don't know, you think about it, who's the American? I think either way they've done that successfully. Yeah. I think by introducing this this other portal that's open in Russia and or at least you know, we don't and we're not sure a portal's open, correct? We just know that they have a demogorgon. We know they have a demogorgon, correct. And, you know, I don't think it's likely, but there's a chance they just got some random American that knows the science and they took him because he's a scientist or, or whatever, what have you. Yeah. I don't think that would be as satisfying as, as an American coming through the portal, but we don't know. But that's the thing. You have all these likely answers that it could be, but um, it, it's enough of a question to make me want to come back next season. Yeah. As if I wasn't already. I didn't realize how large you'd written the word Daker on your paper. Was that to help you remember how to pronounce it, or...? Uh, yes. <laughs> Alright, so then, we have to talk about what do we think is going to be the general thrust of next season. I haven't read anything about, like, the writing. Um, I know that the Duffer Brothers are very secretive, um, but pretty soon they'll probably release, uh... The setting, the like, the timing of it, you know, they've done a pretty good job of like moving the the years along with the ages of the kids, so it doesn't seem out of place. Um, Which is appreciated. Yeah, I mean, Richard Linklater's not the only person who is allowed to do that. In boyhood, you know, he could have just serialized Boyhood and made it a television show and get the same it's, effect. It's the same with Big Little Lies. They they did the same thing. Yeah, and I I, I think that's really appreciated against people who are like, uh, that kid is not eight anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think, like, if I didn't know that, like, Finn Wolfhard looks like he is not, I mean, they're not, they're, they're, they're clearly not 13. Right. Um, but they're around that age. I think they're, like, 15. I, I think it varies. I think they're, like, 13 to 17. Right. Um, but... And Steve is my age. So... Oh yeah, fun fact for listeners, uh, Joe Keery was our neighbor for a year. The actor who plays Steve, because they film locally. But... I never met him. I don't think I... I think I said hey to him a couple times. But I was always the person out on the porch. But anyway, we're not going to blow up where Steve Keery... Where Joe Keery may or may not live. Um, we couldn't talk about it before, because... Uh, when we first started recording this podcast, if I mentioned it... You know, we talked about where we lived a lot, and now we don't live there. Um, so, what do you think they're going to do with season four of Stranger Things? Alexa comes back as a zombie! I really hope that Alexa turns on and is like, comes back as a zombie? <laughs> I can't find that. No, I, you know... Did that answer your question? <laughs> you know, it would be really neat if they did that. Because they've... There's a lot of the... 80s movies that they've parroted so far, you know, they've done the straight horror, they've done, you know, kind of like the the Russian action movie, but, you know, the they've even done like the, like the Monster of the Week stuff, you know, I'm kind of trying to think of like what else they do. The Terminator. 
I mean, they kind of had that in the bad guy in this season. That's what exactly what I'm referring to. That yeah. guy looks like he should play the Terminator. Yeah. They've got a, the, the big bruiser. That guy's name actually is Grigori. Um, his character's name. Character. No. No. His name is actually Grigori Grigori. And his character's <laughs> name is Grigori. Um, but, yeah, so I... I I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset if they did like a you know Dawn of the Dead style like all these people that the Mind Flayer like flayed are now like coming back or whatever but I don't know I feel like it's somehow we need to get the action to Kamchatka or the action in Kamchatka needs to come to Hawkins I like it in Hawkins I really like the small town vibe although <laughs> I I. This does need to be, like... Season 4 should just be them in therapy for, like, eight straight hours. <laughs> that sounds very boring, but these kids have been through a lot in their small little town. Yeah, and they, like, play it pretty cool. I mean... They do. They're still like, you want to go play D&D? Yeah, even, like, Max is... Who, like, all this stuff was super crazy to her last season, but she never really saw the Mind Flayer. I mean, she got, like, a glimpse of Elle's powers, but now that, like... Max and Elle have their, like, girls' day out, like, at the mall. I love that so much. Like, shopping. And, like, Elle is just, like, shooting her power all over the place. Like, she just is unfazed by Psychic Girl and, like, giant jelly monster flair. The girl whose drink she blows up in her face is the same girl from the dance in season two that says no to dancing with Dustin. Well, good. She deserved it then. Right. Um, I do want to say, uh... Just as my little soapbox, I really loved the uh, the Robin confession. Uh, you know, Steve, Steve thinks he's starting to fall in love with her or thinks that, like, all of these hints that she's been dropping about, like, I sat right behind you in class and you never noticed me. And, like, how dare you now that you're kind of, like, a failure. Like, now we're friends. Like, like now you can hang out with losers. Um you know, it would have been, like, there's one thing to be, I think we say tropes, and we don't really mean it, but there's one thing to pay homage to movies from the 80s, and then there's another thing to, like, actively subvert bad tropes. And I think they did a really good job of that, you know. We've got... I totally agree. She she kind of, in a really emotional scene in the bathroom after they've been uh, drugged by the Russian spies uh, with their truth serum... Uh, they kind of, like, break down and start having an honest conversation. And she admits, that, like, I didn't love you. Uh, this girl who I had a crush on couldn't stop staring at you, and I was jealous. And I thought that was a really cool scene. Uh, I, I did, too. I also really liked the depiction of the Gwyneth Play Small on drugs. <laughs> I, I don't know what that's like. Uh, but I, I also think we kind of get a glimpse of that. I'm not sure if it was implied or not, but... Oh, the Will Byers bit? Right. There's a point where Mike says, it's it's not my fault you don't like girls, because Will is starting to get jealous of Mike and Elle. Right. You know, spending all their time together. I I think that could go either way. Yeah, I made the argument when we finished that episode, because you were like, like, what the hell? Like, did are, like did that just happen? Like, is he, like, mad at him for being gay? And I was like, well... Maybe that's what's happening, but it also could be that point in, like, a young boy's life where, like, you just don't like girls yet. Right. It's not that, just not there yet. It's not that that means that you like boys. You just don't like girls yet. You just don't want to do it. Like, not do it. 
But, like, you just don't want to, like, go through the whole, like, oh, so-and-so has a crush on you. You just, like, abstain from all of that. You're still down with your D&D. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know me. But, I feel like we have taken all the water out of this well. Do you have anything else about Stranger Things Season 3 you want to say? I don't, but I do hope in Season 4 that they... I want to see more of the numbers. Oh, you want an expanded cast? That was like the the least liked episode of season two. But I want it done right. Oh, how do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a filmmaker. So you think? So there are some people who are theorizing that um, because not, not all of them, just maybe one. Sure. One more. I mean, there there's there's some people that are theorizing that now that Al has left Hawkins, you know, the place that should be like the diaspora of all the numbers because that's where the lab was, uh, that there's a greater chance that she's going to seek out and find the other powered people that were part of the experiments. Um, if there are any, they could all be, you know, dead. Um, they could have been the only survivor. We don't know. Maybe. Um, but I thought we saw... No, we just saw her. But, so yeah. So it's possible that, that we see more numbers next season. Uh, I really just want... I mean, I, I, I want to know if David Harbour returns as Jim Hopper or if we have someone else who kind of, like, fills the shoes. Uh, you know, this show's gotten some criticism online of kind of Hop being, like, pretty abusive, like, figure um, in the way that he talks to uh, Joyce about them getting together, in the way that he, like, uh, treats, like, his parenting outward towards Elle, like, the way that he treats he threatens her Mike. Yeah, um, so I, I, I wonder if we're going to see David Harbour return or if they're going to introduce a new character to kind of be, um, I don't know, maybe it's going to be Nancy. And maybe Nancy's going to step up and is going to be the uh, kind of the, the, the King of Hawkins. Um, I do hope Nancy and, and Jonathan stay together. Yeah, you, you made it a point to tell me to remind you. They're together in real life. They're together in real life. That's I, why it's so cute. I know this is one of your favorite things when actors are actually friends outside of the thing that they're on. It is. <laughs> but anyway, this is your time for final thoughts. I enjoyed it. Yeah. R.I.P. Billy. R.I.P. Alexi. R.I.P. Miss you forever. And R.I.P. This podcast. We're done now. This has been Talk Talk. Don't you make it sound like you're never coming back. I'm going to. The dog is actually threatening to kill us right now and we have to submit. But this has been Talkie Talk Podcast from MediaBias.com. You can find us on Facebook at our group, Games Bias, TV Bias, Movies Bias. I almost said Music Bias. We should not have a Music Bias page. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at the Media Bias. You can send us an email to MediaBias at gmail.com. You can find us on WhatsApp. I don't even know what WhatsApp is. I don't either. I know one of my coworkers uses it for her Brazilian. Oh, international. Family. Yeah. I know a lot of people use it for international because it just kind of like syncs. Anyway. Or uh, you could rate us on your favorite pod snatching app and give us a rating. We don't care if it's one star or five stars. It apparently helps. I want to give a special thanks to the Willow Walker. I'm a Willow Walker. Uh, I know that I think about it every time we thank the Willow Walkers that they deliberately, that their band name is deliberately Willow Walkers. But it's so hard when you're in the rhythm of the outro to, 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 to drop the the. I think we've been name. using the... Like, I don't think we've been correcting people. Okay. Well, special thanks to Willow Walkers. This is where TJ goes, thank you. 
And special thanks to Burifa for the outro. There you go. And uh, thanks, Cal. Thanks for sitting here and talking to me about this. Thanks for having me. I like watching it. Yay, bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things that I know.